Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mudiwa Gavaza, and for today, we get into a conversation about the world of AI, uh, the world of uh, artificial intelligence, the world of how do businesses interact um, with their customers um, in uh, in a digital environment where AI is becoming more and more widespread in terms of its use, and uh, you know, is AI effective in uh, generating a trust with customers why and why not that's for the conversation that we are hoping to have and um, you know to help us you know to make sense of it all we are joined by wayne toms who is ceo of uh, ghost draft and we're going to be having that particular conversation wayne greetings to you today greetings madiwa thanks for having me Good place for us to start uh, before we delve too deep into the world of AI and customers is maybe getting a sense of uh, Ghost Draft itself um, as, a, as a company and organization, a platform. Uh, what is it that you guys, uh, what is it that you guys are involved in? What is it that you guys do? Ghost Draft uh, is a company we uh, launched in Cape Town in 1984. And we regard ourselves as one of the pioneers of the customer document automation industry. So it's our job to make sure that key customer documents, particularly ones that are more contractual related, are produced in a way that customers are able to understand what uh, what the communication is. Clearly, uh, they get it on time, and the company is able to make sure that that relationship with the customer is maintained. Okay, cool. So how have you seen things, I guess, evolve over time? Because um, I think the 80s until now, that's a, that's, a, that's a big amount of time. You know, perhaps we could also understand, you know, how long you've been CEO and your journey with the company, uh, some of the trends that you've seen that get us to this point where AI is now a thing. Yeah, well, the, the whole notion of customer communication involving computers was relatively new all those years ago. And uh, what we have now is a customer base who is uh, familiar with 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 interacting with businesses online, uh, you know, whether it's Uber or Airbnb, or for that matter, ordering a pizza. In the past, all of these things would have been done uh, by humans interacting directly with each other. And more and more, these things are done online and customers expect those interactions to be very simple and and to, to have a very smooth journey in the interaction process. And computers have had to play more and more of a role in that. And of course, more and more these days, we're seeing AI playing a role in that as well. When it comes to um, AI and the role that's there, maybe you guys could give us a, a sense because you guys are, uh, what do you call this? Um, you guys are specializing in that relationship between businesses and customers in the in the present environment right what are the current uses right for someone who's perhaps listening to this and is actually asking themselves uh, maybe you could give a sense of how an ordinary person uh, what are the touch points that a person is actually interacting with you know ai on a normal basis um yeah yeah let's say um let's say i'll say the typical example is uh 
I am a banking customer, right? Something is wrong. <laughs> and I call a call center because that's that's where my call is going to be directed to. Maybe you could walk us through what my technology journey is, what type of AI I'm coming into contact with, you know, along that particular journey. Yeah, it's a very good question. Uh, and I think in the early days of AI, uh, a lot of the use cases were where AI was being used to identify patterns in particularly quantitative data, uh, you know, data dealing with number numbers to predict future events like the weather or to group data intelligently. And, and one that we would know well is, for example, when you go into Netflix, the movies that are suggested to you are the movies that are ones that you want to be watching. And that's driven by AI. But more recently, particularly over the last year, Madiwa, we've seen the emergence of what's called generative AI. And this is different uh, because its job is to generate new content, which is similar to but not identical to the data that it's being trained on. So it can generate new outputs, new forms of communications, rather than just regurgitating existing data. So ChatGPT that we've all heard about uh, is able to generate sentences and paragraphs in response to an input question. So what does that mean in practice? What does that mean for customers and how they may experience AI uh, in their interaction with a business? Well, one that we're increasingly familiar with is chatbots, where we have AI-enabled chatbots that are able to simulate a conversation with you as a customer. They seem to understand simple sentences and provide relevant responses. AI is also being used quite often these days in complex decision-making processes, and they are used to pick out key factors in that interaction with the customer, which are best going to improve the chance of a successful relationship between the customer and, and the business. For example, insurance policy underwriting. If you want to apply for an insurance policy, that uh, insurer is going to have to make sure that they have correctly assess the risks associated with you and the premiums that they're going to charge you. Another example is a home loan. Uh, you know, are you a good uh, borrower of money? And so computers and AI are being used in, in these areas as well. And it uh, the, the computers do this by, by learning from prior examples of people who have borrowed money or, or insur uh, insurance customers to see what has really worked in the past. And Similarly, AI can be used to simplify and speed up the gathering and analysis of data in some of these transactions and, 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 and forwarding that information through a more formalized or robust business process or workflow. A good example is insurance claims processing. I'm sure you've encountered those claims apps on your phone. So if you get in a car accident, uh, you can use the, the, the camera on your phone to take a few photographs of the car and AI can look at that supposed dent and make sure that A, it's actually a dent and not some kind of a fake and B, what is the extent of the damage and therefore how much should you be covered? So that's another example where AI is playing a valuable role and it makes the whole process that much more efficient. Um, and AI is also being used these days, particularly this, this chat GPT style AI is also being used in developing uh, complex documents like contracts, like a cell phone contract. I mean, it's very difficult to wade through all of those terms and conditions and actually understand as a customer what I'm reading, make that kind of information uh, more easy to understand 
or perhaps even AI is recognizing the tone or sentiment of communications from the customer back to the business that are included in an email or a post to determine how best to respond. When you are talking, um, when I was, you know, just reflecting on where we are, how much, because uh, you've just mentioned a whole bunch of ways in which people are interacting with AI and uh, a whole bunch of ways in which companies have gone about trying to simplify their processes, you know, using the AI. I guess now we can get into, let's say, the meat and potatoes of today's discussion, which is the trust, um, you know, piece of the equation. Do before before we get into you know what can you do to improve the trust and you know improve people's uh, you know perception of these systems and all that does the ordinary person care that much? I think I, I think let me just ask it at that basic level. Do they care that much that they're interacting you know with an automated process or perhaps a bot? You know for them to not trust a process. Have we been have we been desensitized to a point as a society where you think AI is just normal and you continue with life? Do we care? I think that's the <laughs> that's the that's the question. Well, you really wanted to go there, Mudiwa. Um, <laughs> you know, to read yes. the media, there's a lot of confusion, fear, and dare I say hyperbole when it comes to AI. But the reality is. Many of the more dire predictions about AI that we read about, about AI taking over and us as humans being slaves to AI, many such predictions are vague and, and experts, they disagree on exactly what the main risks are. But broadly speaking, there seems to be this sense of this fear of the unknown, this fear of losing control. I agree with you, though, Mudiwa, it does vary per customer and per person. And many actually look at the benefits that they, they undoubtedly enjoy from the involvement of AI in, in their interactions with businesses. But at the same time, there are indeed reasons for, for customers to be uh, untrusting as well. Okay. So, where we are now, how do we then dispel some of the fears that are, you know, that are there? And I think for me, what I'm quite interested in is what's the mechanism that you use? Because it is still, if my sense is correct, we are still largely operating in that automated environment. How do you then, I guess, engender some sense of trust in uh, the people that are coming onto these platforms and want to interact with companies? Yeah, good question. I think uh, be before I, I talk a little bit about how we can grow customers' trust in AI, I think it's important to pinpoint a couple of the biggest reasons for that mistrust. Many customers feel that AI just does a poor job of responding to their specific needs and, and that a human interaction would show better judgment. Sometimes AI just gets it wrong. And, you know, in more extreme cases, I'm sure you've heard of, of situations where, where AI has led to bias or prejudice, where AI engines actually make discriminatory recommendations. Uh, you know, there's an example of algorithm uh, of, of Amazon who, um, who has this uh, recruitment algorithm uh, to help select its new employees. And they trained it on 10 years of employment history data. 
Well, the reality is that their data was the, the, the employees that they had employed for the last 10 years were very much male dominated. So the algorithm learned to be biased against applications from women or even applications that that mention the word women. This is a problem. This is a real problem. Um, of course, many customers are, are worried about, about the misuse of their personal information, um, that that private data, their personal data may be leaked, or it may be used in some strange way to uh, by, by, by the AI software to, you know, it, in, in a way it may diagnose cancer, for example, or approve a loan. That's, that's a, uh, another reason they're fearful. And, and of course, the other reason is just this loss of a sense of truth. I'm sure you've heard many times this idea of deep fakes, and you may have seen certain things online where pictures, video, and audio appear to be completely real, but AI has done a very good job of faking it. So these are some of the reasons why people are so fearful. So what do we do about it? Well, I think for many uh, regulators in the world, particularly governments, the idea of regulating AI is something that is receiving serious attention uh, to constrain how and why AI algorithms can be used in interactions between businesses and customers, and to insist that transparency is provided to customers regarding the use of that AI. And we're seeing it in the US right now, uh, where the United States government is looking specifically at what kind of regulatory framework is appropriate. The reality is it's very early days and they haven't got to the point where they've decided what regulations should apply. And that, so that's part of the journey that we're traveling. And as much as we see it in the US, I think we're gonna see it in other parts of the world. I think regulation is inevitable at some stage in the future. And part of that regulation, in fact, I would even say part of what it means to be a responsible business in the world today is to communicate clearly to customers how AI is being used in the products and services, and perhaps even explain a little bit about the AI decision-making process or the algorithm in a way that's understandable to non-technical users. And that then can even extend to uh, offering users some control as to whether they want to opt into the use of AI or not, an extent to which AI is used in their, their interactions. So I think these are some of the ways in which uh, in which businesses and regulators are looking to respond to this fear, this mistrust that some customers have in AI. But I have to say personally that I believe a key element that needs to be addressed in improving this mistrust is also to educate AI practitioners, the people who build and use the AI algorithms in an attempt to serve end customers so that they design AI algorithms in a way which improves collaboration between humans and AI algorithms, emphasizing that the two can be complementary. They don't necessarily have to fight with each other. And particularly that AI should not replace humans or abdicate responsibility to the computer. I mean, a good example, Madiba, is, is in our use of an AI-enabled search engine. Let's say Bing, for example. You know, users are completely happy to have an AI algorithm do the initial search for their search term and present the results to them. And then that user will take what they've been given and they'll figure out which pieces they're really interested in and they'll take it further. You know, AI doesn't understand context the way we humans do. It doesn't understand nuance, 
hopes and fears. And if we, as AI practitioners, allow AI to have unfettered access to run business operations the way we are tempted to do sometimes, that AI is going to miss things. And that's where the customer trust is going to be damaged. I have to agree with the fact that, you know, one of the things that you started off by saying just now about the fact that, uh, you know, sometimes when you call in uh, a call center or you call a business, whether it's an insurance company, uh, um, a bank, you know, maybe even your entertainment provider and the like, yeah, um, because there's a there's an automated system in place before we even talk about the AI, just a simple automated process of, you know, if your query fits into one of these blocks, press one. If it fits into yeah. pro- these blocks, press two. And you go through this entire thing and then your query, you know, falls outside of, uh, you know, these, uh, I guess, the typical cases that they've provided for. All you just want after spending all these minutes and time and airtime on the phone is, I just, like, just give me a person. You know, so that I can yeah. just air my grievance uh, and and get things out of the way. So I definitely identify, you know, with uh, I did I definitely identify with that piece, um, you know, of the equation. Um, in my my sense, I remember a couple of years ago. I'm trying to remember if it was. 2022 or 2021 it must have been 2021 it's google's uh, worldwide developers conference and they show off i'm just trying to remember what what the name of the product is but it was basically um a chatbot with a voice that yeah. could uh what you call this that could respond um you know using human intonation you know and all of that stuff and when I heard that, I was like, "This, this is going to, this is going to change the game, uh, right here." So where I am now, because where I want us to end off is maybe getting a sense of what Ghostdraft specifically is doing in the space. Uh, but before that, I'm going to, you know, uh, I'm going to proffer something to you, and you can tell me whether or not uh, my idea has any legs. Uh, you know, or not, it occurs to me that perhaps practitioners are not yet fully trusting of AI systems. Either the practitioners are not yet fully trusting of the AI systems or regulation hasn't reached a stage where we can let the AI, you know, loose on certain systems, right? Um, and obviously, the practitioners don't want to have a certain level of liability on their hands. The reason I'm saying that is because, you know, in my view, it would be so simple to, let's say, have that system that like I've just um, that system like I've just uh, highlighted the one from 2021. You can imagine that now with LLMs like the one that Bard is using and the fact that Google's been so far ahead in terms of this technology. I'm talking technology from two and a half years ago. Imagine what this type of system can do today, right? If you let it loose on your systems and you ring fence certain data and then you gave it access and then you trained it on, let's say, 
thousands of uh, you know caller interactions, all of that stuff. I honestly think you could make a case where it could answer certain unique questions, but in my but I think the practitioners are still a little bit hands offish. So let me know whether or not I am am I reading that situation correctly. Yeah, I, I think I partially agree with you. I, um, you know, to me, it's the power of AI is quite extraordinary. Um, but it's a little bit like uh, giving the keys of a Lamborghini to a five-year-old and saying, here, we go, see what you can do with it. We as humans, we have been blessed, dare I say it, with the uh, the invention uh, and the coming to pass of massive new technologies that have the power to change our worlds, but we don't yet know how to use those things. And the AI algorithms, particularly the ones that we see now, <laughs> the reality is no matter how sophisticated they are, they still have some way to go before they can handle the higher intellectual activities that 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 we hope and dream one day they'll be able to do. And even then, let's face it, Madiwa, the reality is AI is not magic. It's the application of mathematical algorithms to find patterns in the data. And as long as it's going to do that, we as humans need to be able to find a way to step in, to intervene, and to find a way to work together with this AI. I fear perhaps the opposite of what you fear, which is that AI practitioners in many cases are too entranced, too impressed by what they see the power of AI to be. And that causes them to even to, to either use it too much for things it shouldn't yet be used for, or the flip side, to become actually quite fearful, this idea, this notion that AI is eventually going to take over the world. Let's bear in mind, it is still just mathematical algorithms. You know, some years ago, you may remember that there was this perception that one day, if a computer can beat a chess grandmaster at the game of chess, that will be proof that computers are truly intelligent. They are sentient. Well, it was in the 90s that this computer called Big uh, Deep Blue was able to beat the chess grandmaster, Garry Kasparov, several times at the game of chess. Does that mean that the computer could think for itself? Does that mean it was truly smart, that it was sentient? Not so much. It was just good at very rapidly analyzing the potential outcome of a vast quantity of potential chess moves and figuring out which one had the greatest chance of success. In fact, at the time, Garry Kasparov said that Deep Blue was about as intelligent as an alarm clock. Maybe he was just saying, maybe that was just sour grapes because the computer had just beaten him. But the point I'm trying to make here is that we need to keep AI in perspective. It is immensely powerful, but it is still a tool working off mathematical algorithms, and we as humans need to figure out a way to know how to interact with that tool. It's not necessarily a reason for fear. So given where we are now, I think that's where we can round up, you know, the fact that you have these tensions on one side, practitioners, you know, being too trusting, like what you said, but also at the same time, on the other side of the same equation, uh, people that are maybe not fearful, but are still, you know, looking at everything with a grain of salt, right? 
Um, with that in mind, as Ghost Draft, uh, how has how what are you guys doing right now operationally? Right, um, in terms of AI, how are you guys implementing it? Is it um, are you helping? You know, are people using it internally? Uh, are you helping customers to make use of it? Like, what are those discussions and conversations like? And what are some of the interactions you're having with the executives, you know, because I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of questions that come, you know, and, you know, I, I, I would be keen to understand what, what are some of the questions that people are asking, you know, experts such as yourselves when it comes to putting down this technology, because it is an investment for them. Right. And they just want to make sure that this thing yeah, does what it's meant to do. And we are not going to get into trouble. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you say that I've just come back from the InsureTech Connect conference in Las Vegas, 10,000 people attending that, talking about InsureTech, how can technology improve the world of insurance? And almost ubiquitously across the entire conference, the number one theme was, of course, AI. And the reality is, as, as many different uh, uh purposes that AI was being used for, there were different views as to what AI actually was. And I would even stick my neck out and say many of the people talking about AI, many of the people even offering AI didn't fully understand what AI was in the first place. So this is still something that, that we're dealing with. For, for Ghost Draft, uh, we're in the business of producing customer communications, particularly contractual documents and the like. And so the model that we're using is this idea of using AI as a useful sidecar, if I could use that word, for selected activities and processes. If we're in the business of producing complex documents, or, or more importantly, if I'm an insurer that wants to produce complex documents, communications for my customers, that often in the past has had a human doing that work. And humans do a pretty good job of it, but they make mistakes and they take longer and they'll get certain things wrong. But by using AI as a sidecar alongside the work that they're doing, don't say to AI, here, write the insurance policy for me, but use it as an adjunct to figure out which clauses are most appropriate for this particular insurance requirement. How best do I write those words in a way that customers are going to understand them and customers uh, are not prejudiced against? Uh, these are the kinds of areas where we are building this functionality into our solution so that our customers can use AI. We're also using AI internally as a way of analyzing many of the documents that customers have produced in the past and finding ways to automate their production going forward by picking out key clauses, uh, key uh, elements, key fields in those documents in a way that absolutely our team can do them but the com computer can do it very quickly uh, and do a pretty good job of it. But once again, as a sidecar, we still have our team reviewing the output of AI on each occasion. How hard is it to do something like that? Because I can imagine there must be copious amounts of, uh, you know, these documents and all of that stuff that are coming out um, of the systems. Maybe not the fault of the systems themselves, but rather the fact that people on a daily basis are filing claims, they are giving in KYC documents. There's just so yeah, much that's exactly. going on already, yeah. Look, I mean, I would say the hardest part is figuring out how to use some of the, these new AI algorithms. So as a team, we've invested a lot 
to build up, to beef up our own internal understanding of how these different algorithms work, the latest gen AI algorithms, so that we know how best to deploy them in our business. Once we've figured that out, Mudiwa, we can actually apply it to many different use cases. So I think the key thing for us was to build a team that actually understood how these AI algorithms work in the first place. And then we can look at which uh, use cases we want to deploy them at. All right. So that's where we end off today's discussion, you know, just uh, talking about uh, the world of artificial intelligence as it relates uh, to cost to customer interactions with the businesses. Um, you know, Wayne just giving us some insight into what uh, the data is telling us about AI use, um, you know, across a number of different industries. A couple of things that he is saying is that as far as um, the technology has been able to advance, uh, there is uh, still a lot of skepticism around it, you know, from a consumer side, simply because, um, you know, the view is that AI still gets a number of things wrong. Um, hopefully, the advancements mean that, you know, over time, the error rates uh, become much less than uh, what we have now. But also at the same time, talking about the fact that uh, in interactions with the companies that are looking to implement uh, the technologies, there's still um, a lot that needs to be done to make sure that the systems that are being put into place are fit for purpose, um, you know, and the fact that uh, people actually understand uh, what they're about to do, you know, before you do something like that. Um, and then, you know, we did speak quite a bit about... Um, whether or not to trust or not to trust uh, the systems as advanced as they are. And, you know, my view, uh, and I like the fact this is why we have these discussions to debate, uh, you know, some of these things. You know, I felt like in certain cases, it feels like people are being a bit too cautious. Uh, but, you know, Wayne did say that um, actually, you know, he feels that in certain instances, um, practitioners can be a little bit, you know, too trusting. Uh, I see you want to add something there uh wayne no I, I would just like to say i think you've you've summarized it pretty articulately <laughs> and i was wondering if you use chat gpt to do it for you <laughs> <laughs> no 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 not no no not even but um one of the things i do wonder is uh, in my, it, this is just in my world because we've already seen, I think CNBC Africa actually started doing some, um, automated, uh, automated broadcasts, you know, using an avatar, um, you know, and generative AI. So yeah, that would be interesting. Who knows? Maybe you'll be having an interview such as this, um, you know, in a couple of years. <laughs> I'm not sure that it will be me. It will be my software. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, maybe one day your avatar will talk to my avatar. And, and we'll you know, be on the beach. Be, yes, and that will be the content that's produced. So, yeah, that's been it. It has been a really great and fascinating discussion. We'll definitely look to catch up uh, with Wayne and his team just to understand some of the developments that will be going on in, in their world over time. So, so that was us. We were talking to Wayne Toms, who is uh, the CEO of uh, Ghost Draft. Wayne, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks so much, Madiwa.
And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter with hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from my Myself and the rest of the team. It is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.